So I started this teaching last week. Last week, seven ways to trust God in difficult times. And I gave us three ways by which you can trust God. The first one was that if you are going to be able to trust God, you need to trust him by knowing him. And I indicated that one of the key um, ways to know God is to know him by his name because John chapter 4 says God is a spirit. Now when you um, know the name of God, you are able to know the integrity and character of God. And this is so important because um, in the Jewish tradition and in the Jewish culture, a person's name is a sign of their character. You see that? So you cannot know God without first knowing him by his name. And I explained that the first thing you, um, you do when you meet people that you want to trust is to find out their name. You cannot build a relationship without knowing the name of the person you want to build a relationship with. So I talked about the name of God. And I talked about the fact that many people have given names to God, which is not his name. God is a spirit. He has a spiritual name. He has a name from his roots. And in Exodus chapter 3, God came to the scene. And by himself, he declared his name. And his name, uh, the name he gave to Moses was Yahweh. You know, meaning that he's the ever-existing God, ever-existing God, self-sufficient God. And the word Yahweh also means that everything that exists and has a name came from him. So that name gives you an indication that he's worthy to be trusted. He's worthy to be trusted because his name is Yahweh. And that's the name that he's known in the spirit by. So I indicated that before you can trust God, you need to know his name. And I also indicated that there are certain names that are ascribed to God, which does not fully represent who he is in terms of his identity. And one of the names is Adonai. I mentioned that in the book of 1 Samuel, I think 29, 8, um, the Bible talks about the fact that Saul was referred to as Adonai, Lord. And then there's another name, Elohim, which means the mighty one. Adonai means the master, the Lord. And um, Elohim means the mighty one, the supreme one. And it's also a name that is given to human agencies. Praise the Lord Jesus. Human agencies. Anybody that is able to do something supreme, all right, is ascribed that name. But the name Yahweh is what makes God stand out. It means the ever-existing one. The one who has no beginning and has no end. Praise the Lord Jesus. The one through whom everyone who has a name came from. And that's where we get the description, the God of gods, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. So everywhere Yahweh is used in the scripture, the text um, is, you know, the spelling is in caps. But when we are talking about Adonai, you know, the, the, the text is in, maybe the first L is capital, but the rest is in uh, small letters. So God has a name, and his name makes him so reliable to trust. And then the second thing I shared was that you can trust God 
by knowing his promises. And I also indicated that one of the things that help us trust people is the promise they give us. And I cited an example that politicians are able to win our heart, win our votes, and so on and so forth because of the promises. The whole campaign is about promises. And the one who wins the vote of the people is the one with the highest promises because trust goes with promises. Praise the Lord Jesus. So wherever there has to be trust, there has to be promise. And throughout the scripture, there are promises. God is a God of promises because God needs us to trust him. And when you search through scripture from Old Testament through to New Testament, the entire Bible is filled with promises. There are over 7,000 promises that God has given to humanity. So trusting him requires that you know his promises. Once you know the promises, it's easy to trust. And then the third way to trust God is to trust him by knowing his reliability. The fact that he's not a man, he's reliable. He's an ancient of days. He will not change because of you. He has his integrity to protect. So once you know that God is reliable, it is easy to put your life in his hand. Praise the Lord Jesus. So these are the three ways by which you can uh, trust God. I want to move to the four because I promised you seven. And these four would revolutionize the way you think and will also help you. What I'm trying to do is to help you put your trust in God. Praise the Lord Jesus. Because if you don't put your trust in God, you will be disappointed in life. Hallelujah. Now, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 6. That's our anchor scripture. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 6. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, with not some of your heart, but with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, not in some of your ways, in all your ways, acknowledge him or submit to him and he will make your path straight. This is God's word. And one of the things that you need to know as a Christian, as a child of God, is that if God wants to bless you, what he sends to you is his word. The word that God sends you is a proof of his blessing because God is a spirit. Everything we see in the physical world, everything we see in the material world is a product of God's word. The trees, they came into existence as a product of God's word. The sun came into existence as a product of God's word. The animals we see, they came as a result of God's word. The wind, the mountains, every tangible thing we see or we know is as a result of God's word. So it tells you that if the word is able to produce such precious material blessing, that means that anybody with the word cannot lack anything in this life. If the word is the producer of the things that we seek in this life, then what you need is the word. The one with the word can produce everything that exists. So the Bible says in the beginning, God spoke words. And those words created everything we see. So the word is the manufacturer of the material blessings that we seek. So when we say someone is blessed, it means that the word of God is in their hearts. That's who a blessed person is. 
Because the word of God has the capacity to create everything that people will point to and say this is the reason why they are blessed. So the actual blessing is the word. Praise the Lord Jesus. The actual blessing is the word. Look, if you really want to walk in blessings, ask your man of God to declare a word over your life. Because the word is the blessing. Where the word is not, a tangible manifestation of the blessing cannot take place. Praise the Lord Jesus. So, you know, when Isaac wanted to bless his children, he wanted to distinguish his son, Esau. He wanted to give him an inheritance. He had land. He had buildings. He had cattle. He had sheep. But then he told him, give me something, a venison, so that I will declare blessing over your life. So the blessing is the word. The word of God is the blessing. And the Bible says that Jacob, upon hearing that, Rebekah manipulated. Because he knew that once a word is declared over your life, you can possess anything your heart desires. Hallelujah. And so the Bible says he schemed and he made Jacob go to his father. And the Bible says that he placed his hand upon him and he declared a word. He didn't give him land. He didn't give him money. He didn't give him anything. The Bible says that Jacob departed. He actually ran away from that environment. And Esau came back. Esau had land, cattle, sheep, goods, tangible blessings. And yet Esau wept. He said to his father, don't you have even a remnant of the blessing? And his father said, no, I have declared everything. And the Bible says, and Jacob prospered far more than Esau. What this generation don't understand is that, you see, the blessing is not the material thing. Those are the evidence of the blessing. It's the product of the blessing. But the blessing is the word which is declared over your life. So go for the word. When a word is declared over your life, you are blessed. The manifestation will take place. So the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. You see, this is a word. This is a blessing. This word is a blessing. Because wherever the word of God is, the blessing of God is. And this word also shows that God has given humanity the secret to escape difficult times. The secret to escape difficult times is in this scripture. Everything that man is looking for is in the word, is in the Bible. Every solution to the problem of this world is in the Bible. So if you are diligent with God's word, you will not lack anything in this life. If you become serious with God's word, if you become attached to God's word, you can never fail. David said the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That means that one with the word cannot miss the road. You know, God said to Joshua, he said, this book of the Lord shall not depart from your mouth. He said, you will meditate on it day and night. 
He said, and then you will seek to do everything that is written in it. And by so doing, you will make your way prosperous. Hallelujah. So prosperity is buried in God's word. Those who have the word cannot be disadvantaged in this life. The secret is in the word. The secret is in the word. All frustration, depression, disappointment, failure is coming from a lack of God's word. Praise the Lord Jesus. So the word is precious. And you are to receive the word that way. It says, trust in the Lord. That's a code. That's a secret to excelling in life. Trust in the Lord. That's your code for excelling in life. For overcoming this world. Trust in the Lord. It's not just a message to console you. It's a key. It's a divine key that puts you on top. Hallelujah. It puts you on top. The Bible says that the word of God will not return to God. It will not return to him until it accomplishes the purpose for which it was sent. That means anybody that complies by this word, there's, there's something that happens in the spirit to your favor. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So when God saw that difficulties are part of life, that life is full of seasons and time, downtimes, disappointment, difficulty, he thought, what strategy can I give man to escape these things, knowing that they are inevitable in the life of humans? Then God sent this code. The code is trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's not a motivational message. It's a divine code that allows you to escape the difficulties of life. Someone will say, this is too simple. How can you just trust and then everything will be well with you? That's, that's God's word. And that's why many people are not able to hold on to God's word because they feel it's too easy. It's too simple. But it is in that simplicity. The power is in that simplicity. Praise the Lord Jesus. It is in that simplicity. Trusting God is not an exercise in futility. It is an exercise in gain. If you are able to trust in the Lord, that's your secret to escaping all the difficulties of life. Hallelujah. That's the better God has given us. That's why the Bible encourages us not to be anxious because anxiety deprives you of spiritual advantage. Trust in the Lord. Say, I will trust in the Lord. Say, I will trust in the Lord. Say, I will trust in the Lord. Trusting in God is not easy for many people because trusting in God is an intentional effort that man makes based on his knowledge of God. So many people appear as though they trust God, but they don't trust God. Because trusting God means having a firm belief in his reliability, his truth, and his ability. Knowing that God cannot fail, regardless of the situation and circumstance you find yourself in. Failing or refusing to complain, even when the odds are against you, because you know your God cannot fail. It's a knowing. You see, trust has to do with relationship. 
And as I'm doing the teaching, I'll bring you a clear distinction between trust and faith. Many people think that it's the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. Trust is more relational. Pay attention to me. Trust is more relational. That's why you see, we develop trust based on our relationship with the person we are trusting. So our trust levels are not the same. The more you work with someone, the more you know someone, the more you experience someone in a certain way, you develop this unrelenting confidence in them to the point that regardless of what happens around you, you are not able to have a change of mind. So trust has to do with knowing someone, working with someone, experiencing someone. Praise the Lord Jesus. So not everyone has a deep trust in God. You know, there are people that believe that God can do something. But the lack of trust does not allow them to take the jump. You see that? So people have faith. But you see, when you add action or practice to that faith, based on a certain experience you have of God, you have moved beyond faith into trust. Let me give you a tangible example. The three Hebrew boys, you read about them, how a graven image was formed. And how the king said, bow to this graven image. The response of the three Hebrew boys Indicate trust. Praise the Lord Jesus. Now, they said, this is not a matter of argument. We will not bow to the graven image. We know that our God is able to deliver us. But even if he does not, we will not compromise. Why? Trust overlooks the circumstance around you. And trust focuses on the integrity of God. The character of God what you have known about God over time. I don't know whether you get what I'm trying to explain, but trust is more relational. So the more we move with people, the more we know people over time, what we develop is trust. The more we experience a person over a particular period, what we develop is trust. And when you trust, you cannot be moved. Praise the Lord Jesus. When you trust, you are in a certain settled place. When you trust somebody and they haven't showed up, you don't have any doubts in your heart because you know them. There's a way that God has dealt with me over the years that every time I come to my lowest in any situation, when I'm supposed to be totally embarrassed or be in a certain situation, God comes through. This is consistent with my work with God. So much that it is rather difficult to doubt him when such a situation presents itself. Because I have too much experiential knowledge about how my God has dealt with me in a particular matter. So what I've settled is that as for my God, he will come through. That's trust. I trust him based on how I have worked with him. So they said, even if. So, faith seeks to change situations instantly. But trust is able to hold on to God 
even if the situation is not changing. And there's so much confidence in the integrity and character of God because you know him. Faith, on the other hand, has to do more with reacting to the word he has said concerning you and the word he has said concerning himself. At that moment in time, it doesn't have to do with your relationship with him. It may be that you have not really walked with God for a long time and then you hear the word of God. So you have no um, experiential knowledge. Faith has to do with what you have heard at that time. Believing in the word and having confidence in the God who said the word. Based on the word. But trust has to do with how you have worked with someone. So much that you have known him. You have known him. Praise the Lord Jesus. You have known him. And the Bible is telling us to put our trust in God. Put our trust in God. Psalm 125 verse 1. Look at what the Bible says about trust. Psalm 125 verse 1. It says, They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion. This is how you look in the spirit when you are able to conclude within you that God is not a man that shall lie. In the face of every challenge, you know that I have known my God too much for him to fail me at this time. Though you are going down, but your heart is not wavered. In fact, you are even excited because you know that no matter how low you go, God will come through for you. Bible says when your trust is in God, you are like Mount Zion. Spiritually, that's how you are. You are as fortified, as strong, as exalted, as a mountain, not just any mountain, but Mount Zion. Hallelujah. And the Bible says you cannot be moved. So if you trust in God, you are a pillar. Spiritually, nothing can move you. No situation can move you. Economic hardship cannot move you. Distress cannot move you. You are as solid as a pillar. That's what people who trust in God, that's the benefit. You become a spiritual mountain. Because you know that your God cannot fail. Trusting in God. Hallelujah. So trusting in God is such a blessing. And God wants us to trust him. Because that's the only way that we become pillars in the earth realm. So you see that trusting God is not just a motivation. But it translates us into mountains. The moment you lose trust in God and you put your trust in man or you put your trust in things, you become like wax or you become like cotton. You become like paper. Any wind can blow you. Any situation can sweep you off your feet. God doesn't want that. So God is admonishing you. He says, put your trust in God. Say, I'll put my trust in God. Say, I'll put my trust in God. 
And like I said, you grow in trust the more you know him. You grow in trust the more you know him. The more you know him, the more you can trust him. Praise the Lord Jesus. Now, I'm going to give you the four ways, the four remaining ways by which you can trust God. It is easy for me to say, trust in God. Because when you trust in God, you become translated into a mountain and you cannot be moved. By demonic attacks, you cannot be moved. By crisis, you cannot be moved. You become a giant in the spirit. But then the question is, how can you trust God? How do you do it? That's why I've taken time to give you the ways to trust God. Because a pastor can tell you, oh, don't worry, just trust in God. But then as you depart from their presence, you're asking yourself, how, how do you trust God? How can a person trust God? Praise the Lord Jesus. Because what you don't know, you cannot do. Now, the fourth way to trust God is to trust him by knowing his love. Knowing his love. If you are going to be able to trust him, be able to have that total confidence in his character, in his nature, resolute confidence in him that he cannot fail, you need to be conversant with his love, with his love, with his love. Let me show you something. There are three things about the love of God that you must know, which will facilitate your trust in him. If you don't know about his love, you cannot trust him. You cannot trust him. It takes your knowledge of his love for you to trust him. Let me give you a classical example. Do you know that even with human relationships, if people are in a group, all right, maybe they're in a particular group in church or in school, or any other group. People are not really able to trust each other until one of them singles, maybe a male singles a female out and then declares intention of love to them. At that moment, you realize that the person who has been shown love or who has seeing a certain expression of love towards them increases their trust for the person who said, I love you. Far more than the others who are on the fence. So, you cannot trust God effectively when you don't know his love. And it is love that makes people trust others. You may not really know the history of someone, but the moment you declare your intentions of love, even if they are coming to your home, you can leave your home for them and walk out. Why? It is because you know about their love. So love plays a deep role in trust. And the person who has not declared the intention of love to you, it becomes difficult for you to trust them. Am I communicating to you? So trust is built on love. If you can love someone so much, and you can show them that you love them, it is easy for them to trust you. So easy for them to trust you. What is God's love for us? There are three ways that God has expressed love towards us that should make it easy for us to trust him. Number one, 
God loves us so much that he did not spare his son, Jesus Christ. John 3, 16. Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you know what that means? If the Bible says trust in God, it should be easy for you to do. Romans 8, 32. It says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now, the son of God was all that God had in terms of sons. If someone loves you so much that he is willing to lose the only one that he has as a son for your sake, to deny himself that comfort, Jesus died a gruesome death. What was the purpose? Because God was sending a love message to humanity. He was proving a point to men that I'm going to show you. You don't believe that I love you. But I'm going to prove to you the extent of my love. What can I find in my environment? I see angels. But men may think that my love is not too deep. I see 24 elders. Men may think that my love is not too deep. I look around. I have only one son. The one whom I love more than anything or anyone. But I want to prove to humans that I love them more. So what do I do? I take my son whom I love so much. And I sacrifice my son to send a message to them. This is how much I love you. The Bible says when Jesus was dying on the cross, his father could not look upon him. Jesus said, Eloi, 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 namatabasani, meaning that, Father, why have thou forsaken me? It was an emotional moment of pain, of pain. Why? Because he loved you. Now, if he has done this, the Bible says that, how shall he not with him because now Jesus is resurrected. And Jesus knows that he died because of the love that the Father has for you. He became a sacrificial lamp. So now he's working in connection with God to provide everything for you. How can you not trust this God? For a mobile phone, is too small. <laughs> if he gave his son to you, a house is too small. Money is too small. Academic excellence. Bible says, how shall he not, together with him, Jesus Christ, also freely give us all things? Hallelujah. This is why you should trust him. Trust him that he will give you a great marriage. Trust him that God will never leave you nor forsake you. If he says that, you need to trust him because he's not just speaking words. There's an experiential knowledge. There's an evidence. There's a track record. Hallelujah.
never doubt God. Because he could not spare his holy son. Because of the love he has for you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Number two, proof of his love is that God loved us while we're yet sinners. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. He said, but God demonstrated his own love towards us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When God was sending Jesus to die for us, we were insulting him. What will make someone love you so much that when you hate him, he gives you his most valuable gift to send a message that he loves you. So while we're yet sinners, he didn't love us because we were kind to him or we're worshiping him or we're praying. How much more now that you are his child? How much more? Now that you are his child, that's why one of the greatest sins in this life is a sin of doubting God. When you doubt God, it's a sin. Because it sends a message into the heaven. And all the creators in heaven, they become disarrayed. They become confused. They begin to wonder, how can they doubt after all that God has done? While we're yet sinners, he loved us. How much more now that we are his sons? His love for us knows no bounds. You know, Paul said that he cannot measure the love of God. It's so wide. It's so high. It's so deep. You can't lay a hold on it. That's why the love is called agape. To trust God should be easy because God truly loves us. Praise the Lord Jesus. Number three, God's love is so deep that his, his love for us, you know how a young man would want to demonstrate the love to somebody? Um, there was a young lady that sold the phone, the mobile phone as a seed. A very expensive phone. When she had done that, um, I asked someone else to call on her throughout the week to find out if she's fine because it was a great sacrifice she did. And when she was leaving my presence, I saw her body language that she was really shaking because that was her valuable asset at that time. So when the person called her and checked on her, I asked the person to find out how are you coping without a phone? <laughs> and she said, well, my beloved sent me his phone. So I met her on Sunday. I said, what phone is your beloved using? He said, well, my beloved has just found the phone he's using. He just found another phone. <laughs> so even the beloved felt that, no, no, no. I need to sacrifice something as proof that I love her. Hallelujah. Do you know what God is giving you as proof of his love? The third thing, Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Oh boy, look at it. It says, do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Hallelujah. A mobile phone will not cut for him. It will not cut for him. It's too small to justify his love. Oh my God. He's giving you his kingdom. His kingdom is all that he is and all that he has. His rulership and reign 
Our mind cannot hold this. We cannot anchor it. That's why the Bible says we are joint heirs with Christ. We are stakeholders in the kingdom of God. The Bible says that in heaven, some of us will judge angels. He has exalted us that together with Christ, we are seated in heavenly places. What did we do to deserve this? So if you doubt God because you don't have a mobile phone today, you have failed to see the greater thing he has given you. If you doubt God because you don't have a certain amount of money in your account today, you have failed to acknowledge that which he has given you which far surpasses money. He says, it is a father's good pleasure. He was looking for something to give you. He looked at the mountain. He said, no, no, it's too small. He looked at the ocean. No, no, it's too small. And all the fish in the ocean, it's too small. I am desperate to show them how much I love them. He looked at the bears of the sky. No, 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 it's too small. What should I give them? Then he said, do not fear, little flock. <laughs> for it is my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Hallelujah. To give you the kingdom of God. My own kingdom. Say, I trust in God. Praise the Lord Jesus. This is the proof of God's love to us. Step number five. You trust God by developing the eyes of faith. Develop the eyes of faith. In a difficult time, this is how to operate as a Christian, as a son of God. Stop looking at your environment. Start looking at God. You know, it's an intentional way to live. Every time you look at your situation, your faith dwindles. Every time you look at God, your faith goes up. The Bible says, in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. It says, for we walk by faith. Not by sight. Literally, the Bible is saying that for a Christian, in a difficult time, you don't walk with your eyes open. You walk with your eyes closed. <laughs> you walk based on what God has said. Not based on what you are seeing. To be able to trust God, you have to stop seeing your bank account details. Stop seeing it. Stop checking your data. Are you here with me? <laughs> Stop checking the result that did not go well. Stop seeing it. Stop. Don't see it as it is. Stop looking at the full prices. Stop seeing it. Look at it. He said, we walk by faith. Who walks by faith? Everybody walks by sight. Because if you don't look, you fall. But in the kingdom of God, if you look, you will fall. Many people have lost trust in God. That's why they talk the way they talk. They say, what shall become of us? Hey. People have not yet completed school, but they are wondering, would I get a job after school? <laughs> because they are watching the news. And the news is giving statistics that about 
so-so and so number of people graduated. Only 10% got jobs. There's someone writing exam and he say, what is the use of all this? <laughs> because you are working by sight. You are working by sight. This is why many Christians cannot become great. They see what is happening to them more than what God has said to them. He said, we walk by faith. What is faith? We walk by confidence in what God has said. What has God said? Not by what we are seeing. You go to a place, they tell you, well, here, church will not work. That's what you are seeing. What has God said? He said, wherever the soles of your feet shall tread, there you possess. So there's a contradiction. They are telling you that it will not work. God is telling you that you have already possessed. The moment you step there, the place is yours. He writes an exam. The result comes. He says, hey, you almost failed. That's what the result is saying. But the word of God has already told you something. He says, you are the head and not the tail. You are the head, not the tail. Whose report would you believe? When you begin to look at things from the perspective of faith, you are looking at things from the perspective of God. And faith does not fail. Praise the Lord Jesus. How do you keep your faith intact? Stop listening to what the world is saying. Because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing. It means that unbelief also comes by what? Hearing. It means your faith is not constant. Your faith can be wavering based on what you are hearing at every point in time. So sometimes you come to church in a service like this, you have enough faith to trust God. But then, how do you keep this faith? It's your responsibility to guard the faith. Now, this is where a lot of people miss it. They hear such great words that build faith in them, which is going to produce amazing results in their life. Then they go and watch other things. They go and listen to other things. I don't watch the news. They have nothing to offer me. I don't watch the news. Praise the Lord Jesus. Unless the news can give me updates of the second coming of Jesus Christ, like a countdown, then I'll eagerly watch because I am anticipating the appearance of my Lord Jesus Christ. Since the news started, TV3, Metro TV, what value have they added to my life? You know, my news, my news is not TV3 network. My news is Bible network. When I open, I see what is happening. There are a lot of things happening in the Bible. If you don't know, I'm telling you, there are a lot of things going on in the Bible right now. You will see the news about how Jesus went to the lake of Gennesaret. It's, it's a whole news. It's a whole reportage. How he met Peter. And how they are reporting. It's a news. That's what we call good news. <laughs> Not television news. Good news. 
You will see how economic hardship affected Jesus and his disciples. And how the Roman soldiers came to him. And how fuel prices went up and dollar went up. And how Jesus handled that issue. And how the newscaster broke the news that Jesus, in a situation like that, sent Peter to the sea and said, put your hook in the sea. Bring a fish, open the mouth, you'll find a golden coin. But in the news on television, they will tell you the problem. They will never tell you the solution. <laughs> Listening to the news is the biggest way to get frustrated in life. I don't know what is going on. Do I want to know what is going on? There's a lot going on in the Bible. There's too much going on in the Bible. How an angel appeared to Mary. Have I finished listening to the update of that news? And declared unto him, you are blessed among women. How you are going to conceive without knowing a man? Oh my God. I want news like that. It builds my faith. Without faith, you can't trust in God. Hallelujah. Faith helps you to trust in God. Faith. And faith comes by hearing. You see, don't walk by sight. Stop living your life by what they have told you. And stop living your life by what you keep seeing. The fears of this world. Close your eyes to it. Let only the word of God move you. When you open your eyes, what do you see? I see a glorious destiny. I see a glorious destiny. That's why the story of the dollar is not part of my agenda in shadow. I see so much greatness and glory. Because the Lord has said, he will never leave me nor forsake me. He said, I'm the apple of his eye. The Bible says he has engrafted me in his palms. My God, that's, that's my current update. My news feed, that's what I see. I have engrafted you in the palms of my hands. I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. What, what other news can be so sweet like this? What am I doing with NDC and MPP? What value are they adding to my life? What am I doing with them? What am I doing with MPP and NDC? What am I doing with them? Just a waste of time. Just a waste of time. Your heart will be racing. I don't listen to those updates. Ukraine and a Russia war. Now there's another war brooding between China and Thailand, which is even a more terrible war. <laughs> Hallelujah. Choose to see. You know, it's an intentional thing. That's why I choose my friends. Not everyone can be my friend. You know, if you keep talking about negative things and discouraging things, you affect my faith environment. You can't come to me with dollar news. I don't live by dollar. I don't spend dollar. I spend the heavenly currency. My God is taking care of me. And that dollar cannot rise above the heavenly currency. Didn't you hear what Paul said? He said, my God shall supply. It means there. Everything we have here, they have it in heaven. Didn't God bring food from heaven to feed earthly beings? And they ate it. They ate it. Meanwhile, in heaven, they are spirits. 
He didn't bring them the word of God. He brought them food. Food. Tangible food. Bible calls it the food of angels. So when Paul says, my God shall supply, it means that God can channel dollar from heaven to you. Everything on earth is a shadow of what is in heaven. How do you think people get healed? How do you think? That God will create human beings and he doesn't have spare parts. <laughs> he doesn't have spare parts. When you lay your hands on a sick person and he has a defective kidney or heart or lung and the person says, I'm healed. What do you think has happened? Where did the replacement come from? Whatever we need here, the store is in heaven. The same way we have spare parts dealers who are part of whatever the manufacturer produces, the manufacturer has spare parts. That's how come we have creative miracles. Creative miracles, the thing was not there, and then you pray for the person and it comes. Where does it come from? The thing is transported from the spirit and it becomes manifest in the flesh. I have spare eyes in heaven, spare nose in heaven, spare teeth in heaven, spare mouth in heaven, spare hand in heaven, spare legs in heaven, spare dollar in heaven, spare seed in heaven. I cannot walk by sight. See, I refuse to see what I'm seeing. I refuse to see what is presented to me. I choose to see what the word of God says. Live by faith. Live by faith. Praise the Lord Jesus. Live by faith. It's so beautiful. Number six, trust God by reading the stories of faithful servants of God. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12. It says, do not be slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. When you begin to read the stories of men who had faith, it's easy for you to trust God. I mean, that's the fastest way to trust God. If all you know is the history of Michael Jackson, the more you know about these people, the more you wonder what is the essence of life. Because their end was not great. Know about the men of faith. Abraham was 100 years old. Look at it. Romans chapter 4 verse 18. He says, Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations? According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. No man is the standard for faith. No man is a standard. But God has chosen certain men. Bible says that Abraham is the father of our faith. His life, it exemplifies true confidence and trust in God. If you want to follow someone that trusted in God, it's not Kwame Nkrumah. It's not Kwame Nkrumah. I mean, if for academic purpose, it's okay. If for history purpose, it's okay. But don't build your life on Kwame Nkrumah. You will be disappointed how he ended his life. And when you get to that knowledge, you wonder why you followed him all these years. Don't follow the big six. Follow the big 12. Hallelujah. <laughs> follow the big 12. There's the big 12 minus Judas. That's including Matthias. Follow them. 
Some people know all the players in Chelsea, but they don't know the players in Jesus FC. They don't know the players. They don't know the players. Who was the top striker in Jesus FC? They don't know. They don't know. Who is the, um, the player that was on the bench that came to change the game? They don't know. Apostle Paul was not part of the first team. He was on the bench. But before the 90 minutes, he came in and he changed the whole game. When you know these men, faith is inspired in you. That a man can be 100 years and can trust God. And you are 30 years, you can't trust God. When you begin to read about these people, you begin to feel like, what am I doing in my life? 100 years old. Bible said that he could not impregnate his wife because his time was past and his wife's womb was dead. You are 30 years. You say, God has disappointed me. Why? No one is proposing to me. Hey, be careful. Hallelujah. Read about Ruth. Read about Naomi. Read about Daniel. In the face of persecution, how he trusted God. In our generation, a little persecution, people don't trust God anymore. When someone says, you go to church too much, then they cower. Someone was told not to pray. Because if he does that, they will kill him. And he went ahead. He trusts God so much that he went ahead. You are coming to church to collect blessing. No one will touch you. When you finish, you post a picture on Instagram and WhatsApp status. You see, because someone said it, you are not doing it. You don't trust God. Hallelujah. Read about men of faith, women of faith. Deborah, Abigail, women of faith. Dockers, women of faith. And it will be easy to trust God. Finally, you trust God by seeking his will. Luke twenty-two forty-two. 42. You must pray that God, show me your will. Show me your will. Show me your will. You know, when you are in the will of God, it's easy to trust God. Luke twenty-two forty-two. 42, he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I love the word of God. I love the word of God. 